Well, good evening to each of you, and I greet you in the name of Jesus, our risen Lord, the one that we are gathered together to worship. And uh, it is exciting to be here. My wife and I had very good traveling uh, uh, a time together coming down here. The border uh, kind of rolled out the red carpet for us. It was pleasant. Uh, so it was no issues coming here, so we're grateful for that. And so as a short introduction, um, my wife and I, we've been married for a few years. Uh, we just left the young married stage not that long ago. Um, that happened when we had our first grandchild, I think, something like that. And we have, I believe, is it? I always get confused how many we have because there's also a few more coming. So, 11, thank you. I, that's wonderful. So we have 11 grandchildren. So we have four children, our oldest, uh, Randy and Sherry. They, are, they have uh, three boys and waiting for another one. And uh, Trevor and Kayla, they have uh, three girls and one boy. Corey and Vicky, they have two boys and one girl. And my favorite daughter and her husband, they have uh, one boy and they're uh, excitedly waiting for another one. And so we are so grateful how the Lord has blessed us with a family and, uh, and uh, they are a blessing. They're a rich blessing to us. Sadly, we just can't quite get to them often enough. And yes, as uh, Jay said, we serve at Arthur Mennonite Fellowship. And I, I'm assuming it's much is going to ha happen here at the end of the week, as what happened to me uh, a few times already. So Irma and I, we started attending uh, Woodlawn Mennonite Fellowship uh, quite a number of years ago. And, uh, and then uh, five years after I, I got saved, I was ordained as a pastor at the uh, Moorfield Mennonite Fellowship. So we started off at Woodlawn, and so then they kicked us down the street to Moorfield when that started, and then Moorfield got full, and then they kicked me down the street to Arthur. So. I'm guessing by the end of this week you'll understand why. I'm just assuming so. But no, we thank the Lord. God has been very gracious to us. He's been good to us. And uh, I look forward to being here this week. I really do. But I do covet your prayers as I seek the Lord's will from evening to evening what his will is for, for here and for now. And so we invite your prayers. I would like for us to consider two verses throughout this week. We might try to memorize them from uh, evening to evening. And you can find those in Romans 14. And these verses are special to me, as is much of the scriptures. Romans 14, verse 17 and 18 uh, actually 19 as well 
So those verses read as this. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. For he that in these things serveth Christ is acceptable to God and approved of men. Let us, therefore, follow after the things which make for peace, and things wherewith one may edify another. So let's say the first, or the verse 17 together. For the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. And so when we think about those scriptures, the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is an entity that I am blessed to be part of. And the kingdom of God is something that God designed for his glory and for your good and for mine. And when I think about the kingdom of God, I think of of obviously the church of Jesus Christ and my question to us all here tonight is do we are oh, sorry are we blessed are we encouraged are we firm in the understanding that we are a part of the kingdom of God can we assuredly in our hearts be settled that we are part of that kingdom because I want to tell you, friends, it is when I think about the coming of the Lord, I think of him coming to retrieve or to, to receive his what? What is he going to come to, to receive when, at his coming? His bride. And his bride is what? The church. And that is the kingdom of God. And so that inspires me to think that I can be part of an entity, I can be part of the church of Jesus Christ, with Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone, and awaiting on that day when that bride will be ushered back to God and to be with him forever. He doesn't say that he's coming to receive individuals. Which is the mindset of so many people today that we want to shrug the idea that we ought to be and are responsible to be part of the kingdom of God. Rather that all that matters is my relationship between me and God and that's all that matters. That is the mindset that is permeating into, the, into our, uh, uh, throughout much of our teaching, much of what we read, because it's a very, very uh, popular teaching. But I'm here to tell you tonight that according to the scriptures, I do believe that it is not individualistic, but it's rather the body of Christ, the kingdom of God. And so when I think about the kingdom of God, is not meat and drink, but righteousness, peace, joy, and the, in the Holy Ghost. And I'd like to do, for you to take your Bibles and go with me to 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles, uh, when I look at uh, God's design for this kingdom, 
and how he has so early in, uh, well, early, maybe that's not the right way of saying it, but in this time of Solomon, in uh, Second Chronicles chapter 6 and over to uh, chapter 7, I am always inspired when I think about what it, uh, how he, he points this out. And uh, in verse 14 of 2 Chronicles 7, it says, If my people, and that sticks out to me, If my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. And leading up to this here, I go back to the beginning of of chapter 6. And there he says in chapter 6 verse 1, or sorry, verse 2, he says, But I have built an house of habitation for thee, and a place for thy dwelling forever. And when I look at that house that he built, I look at that as being uh, the place where God dwells. And I go through there, and Solomon, he he, he started in with his prayer in verse 12, and he said, He stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the congregation of Israel. And he spread forth his hands. For Solomon had made a brass uh, scaffold. And it gives a description there of uh, of of that scaffold. And he knelt down upon his knees before the congregation of Israel, spread forth his hands toward heaven. And then he started praying. O Lord of Israel, there is no God like thee in heaven nor in earth, which keepest covenant and shewest mercy unto thy servants that walk before thee with all their hearts. Do you see the prayer there? How it it describes there about the servants of the Lord and, and that he affirms there that the God of Israel is not, is not like any other in heaven. And he verse goes on, he says, Thou which hast kept with thy servant David, my father, that, has, that, that thou hast promised him, and spakest with thy mouth, and hast filled it with thine hand, as it is this day. Now therefore, O Lord God of Israel, keep with thy servant David, my father, that which thou hast promised him, saying, There shall not fail thee a man in my sight to sit upon the throne of Israel. Yet so that thy children take heed to their way to walk in my law as thou hast walked before me. Do you see the bidding there of Solomon? Now then, O Lord God of Israel, let thy word be verified, which thou hast spoken unto thy servant David. But will God in very deed dwell with men on earth? Behold, and and the heaven of heavens cannot contain thee, how much less his house which I have built. 
Have respect, therefore, to the prayer of thy servant and to his supplication. O Lord my God, to hearken unto the cry and the prayer which thy servant prayeth before thee, and thine eyes may be open upon this house day and night, upon the place where thou hast said, Thou wouldest put my, thy name there, to hearken unto the prayer which thy servant prayeth toward this place. Hearken therefore unto the supplication of thy servant, and of thy people Israel, which they shall make toward this place. Hear thou from thy dwelling place, even from heaven. And when thou hearest, forgive. If a man sin against his neighbor, and an oath be laid upon him to make him swear, and the oath come before thine altar in this house, then hear thou from heaven and do and judge thy servants by requiting the wicked, by recompensing his ways upon his own head, by justifying the righteous, by giving him according to his righteousness. And if thy people Israel be put to the worse before the enemy because they have sinned against thee and should return and confess thy name and pray and make supplication before thee, in this house, then hear thou from the heavens and forgive the sins of thy people Israel and bring them again into the land which thou gavest to them and to their fathers. When the heaven is shut up and there is no rain because they have sinned against thee, yet if they pray toward this place and confess thy, thy name and turn from their sins when thou, when thou dost afflict them, then hear thou from heaven and forgive the sins of thy servants. And of the people of Israel, when thou hast taught them the good way, wherein they should walk, send rain upon the land which thou hast given unto thy people for an inheritance. If there be dearth in the land, if there be pestilent, if there be blasting, if there be mildew, locusts, caterpillars, if their enemies besiege them in the cities, in, the land, in their land, whatsoever sore or whatsoever sickness there be. Then the prayer of that supplication soever shall be made of any man or of all that people Israel, when everyone shall know his own sore and his own grief shall spread forth his hands in this house. Then hear thou from heaven thy dwelling place and forgive Render unto every man according to all his ways, whose heart thou knowest, for thou only knowest the heart of the children of men, that they may fear thee to walk in thy ways so long as they live, in the land which thou gavest unto, thy, unto our fathers. Moreover, concerning the stranger, which is not of my people Israel, but is come from a far country, for thy great name's sake, and thy mighty hand, they stretched out thy stretched out arms, if they come and pray in this house, then hear thou from heaven, even from thy dwelling place, and do according to all that the stranger calleth to thee for that all people of the earth may know thy name and fear thee, as doth thy people Israel, and know 
that this house which I have built is called by thy name. If thy people go out to war against their enemies by the way that thou shouldst send them, and they pray unto thee toward this city which thou hast called, chosen, and the house which I have built for thy name, then hear thou from heaven this prayer and their supplication, and maintain their cause. If they sin against thee, for there is no man which sinneth not, and thou be angry with them, and deliver them over before their enemies, and they carry them away captive unto a land far off and not nor near. Yet if they bethink themselves in the land whither they are carried captive, and turn and pray unto thee in the land of their captivity, saying, We have sinned, we have done amiss, and have dwelled wickedly, or dealt wickedly. If they return to thee with all their heart and with all their soul, in the land of their captivity, whether they have carried them captive and prayed toward their land, which thou gavest unto their fathers, toward the city which thou hast chosen, and towards the house which, that which I have built for thy name, then hear thou from heaven, even from thy dwelling place, their prayer and their supplication, and maintain their cause, and forgive thy people which have sinned against thee. Now, my God, let I beseech thee, thine eyes be open, and let thine ears be attend unto the prayers that is made in this place. Now therefore arise, O Lord God, into thy resting place, and thou, and the ark of thy, of thy strength, let thy priests, O Lord God, be clothed with salvation, and let thy saints rejoice in goodness. O Lord God, turn not away the face from thine anointed. Remember the mercies of David, thy servant. Now Solomon had made an end of the prayer. And what happened? The fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices and the glory of the Lord filled the house. And the priests could not enter into the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled, or sorry, the glory of the Lord filled the Lord's house. And when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord upon the house, they bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. So friends, when we look at that passage of scripture, there is numerous times, I, I didn't count how many times, and you can do that in your own time, but go back and look at that passage of scripture again, and how many times it says, I think it's a, about five, four or five times when he says, then hear thou from heaven. And every time he, there, there was a bidding that God would hear from heaven the prayers of the people. And when you look at the prayers that, that Solomon raised on behalf of the church of the Old Testament, if we could say it that way, God's chosen people. Because what I, I like about this here passage and many others, it, it gives a, an, an illustration of mankind 
seeking revival from God. And they were seeking the will of God. They were seeking the mind of God. And they knew, one thing that, is, that stands out in this here passage, these folks, or this, uh, Solomon was praying on behalf of God's chosen people, and he was praying on their behalf, knowing that they had a need of God and his grace to be upon their lives. And when you look at verse 32, that inspires me. That includes you and I. He says, moreover concerning the strangers, there was people that, not, that were not of the lineage of the children of Israel. They were not the sons of David and, and such like. But they were strangers which were not thy people Israel. And that is referring to the Gentiles. That is including you. That is including me. And that is how we can incorporate ourselves into this prayer as well. And that we beg from God to hear from heaven. And that he would then rest his grace upon our lives. And then he goes on to say that when this prayer was prayed, then... Fire came from heaven and it filled this place. How would you and I recognize the fire of the Lord filling this place? How would you recognize that to be? Not like the literal fire, but I would believe, my friends, tonight that we could recognize this as being the Spirit of God having free course flowing from heaven to this place and moving among us and touching our lives. And that is when the glory of the Lord will fill this house. If we seek out the Spirit of God and seek His face and His trust in Him. And he goes on to say then, uh, when, when this place, when the, when the Spirit of the Lord was, was filling that place and, uh, and, uh, and, and, and they recognized God and His presence, I like how it then goes on to say, when Solomon, then he finished that the building of, the, of that house, and he goes on to say, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins. Now mine eyes shall be upon, shall, shall be open, mine ears attend unto the prayer that is made from this place. For now have I chosen and sanctified this house that my name may be there forever, and mine eyes and my heart shall be there perpetually. Is that how we see this place here tonight at the peak Mennonite Fellowship or church? That we can see this place as being the place where God dwells. Is he invited here? Are you inviting him? Are you seeking the face of God as what Solomon did? To that same degree and level that Solomon did. Because he says, if my people, 
which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. And so when you would think about this, of, of, this, of, of God's kingdom coming here, I believe in that uh, as, we, as we pray in the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I believe that can be a reality tonight here at the Peak Mennonite Church for the kingdom of God to come and rest in this place without a doubt. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. This is a petition that we all can beg and plea, and we can seek the face of God. And when I think about you know, the, the, the prerequisites of the coming of the Lord there in verse 14, is there a better place to be than the place where God will dwell when the glory of the Lord will fill this place. Matthew 22 verse 37 says, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, for this is the first and great commandment. That doesn't leave much space left than our all everything in everything in every aspect of our lives but he talks about here in verse in verse 14 it talks about humility it talks about hunger and it talks about holiness and so friends tonight when i think about humility first peter 5 6 says humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Friends, tonight, humili humility is a prerequisite of receiving the glory of the Lord in our lives. Absent of humility, there is no glory of the Lord. Do you believe that? So humility is a prerequisite for the glory of the Lord to be present. So humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due times. How many of us here tonight want to be exalted by God? How many? Y'all want it. I know you do. I want it as much as what you do. But how do we receive that glory that will exalt us and lift us up? We say, says we must humble ourselves. The opposite of humility or humble is pride. And you know what God says about pride. There are six things that the Lord hates. That's strong. I realize it is, but I'm not making any apologies for the word of God. But he says he, there's six things that he hates, seven are an abomination unto him. And one of those is a proud look. Why? Why do you suppose that God 
hates pride to that to such a degree. Well, I want you to know the way I would understand it is pride is one of the greatest sins of all. In 1 John 2 verse 16 for all that is in the world and then it talks of two things. One is lust and the other is pride. And that is for all that is in the world. So I believe pride is the essence of all sins. Every single solitary one of them. And you think about it. And I know that not one of us is excluded here tonight of dealing with pride. We all. But praise be to God that we can, by joys, humble ourselves under the mighty hand of God and that then through it that we can be exalted. And so we must understand that pride is the roadblock for God and the Spirit of the Lord to dwell within us. So can I say it this way? Pride is the roadblock to revival. Pride will keep a person from being saved. Pride will maintain an individual's heart to be hard. Pride will not repent. Pride and repentance are opposed to each other. There will be no repentance where there is pride. Pride will never admit that it was wrong. Do we struggle with admitting? Do we acknowledge when we are wrong? Let me give you an example, a very ordinary example. There was a marksman that took his son out to shoot ducks. And so they went out in the field and they hunkered down amongst the corn stalks. And they were sitting there, him and his son. They were just watching for those ducks to come in. And finally, they watched all these ducks. They were coming in. And they were just about to land. And the dad went up with his gun. Boom! 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 Shot three times. And the ducks, they all just flew away. And the son was about to hear a very humble response from his dad that he missed. But rather, the dad looked at the son and he says, Son, we just witnessed a miracle. There fly dead ducks. So friends, when we err, we ought to admit that we erred. That is an illustration of a person that is too proud to admit that he wasn't as good. He had a, a greater esteem of himself than what he should have had. And so his son witnessed a man with a proud heart and conveyed himself that way. Another thing that uh, stands in the way 
or expresses itself as pride, is a high look. What's a high look? He says, a high look and a proud heart and the plowing of the wicked is what? What is that? What's the last word? Sin. sin. That's right. And what is sin? We have to understand, friends, we have to identify these things for what they are. We can't dance around them and just kind of skirt them and not identify them for what they are. It is sin. And therefore, we must deal with it. Man is never more like the devil as when he is full of self-will and pride. Pride is the worship of self. Pride is the essence of all sin. C.S. Lewis made this comment, and I believe it to be true. Pride is the anti-God state of mind. He also said, the first step to humility is to realize we are proud. So how do we become humble? By admitting that we have the tendency and we are at times proud and identifying it for what it is. Identifying pride as being sin. It is contrary to the will of God and calling it for what it is. It is sin. So we recognize what pride will do with our relationship with God. Confess it. Repent of it. And seek the will and the way of God. Humility makes one teachable and willing to submit to the instructions of God. Humility so many times, I think, is viewed as just kind of passive and weak. I want to tell you, friends, humility is strength. Because it relies on God Almighty. Proverbs has much to say about humility. Everyone that is proud in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Though hand joined in hand, he shall not be punished. By mercy and truth, iniquity is purged. By the fear of the Lord, men depart from evil. So another one is humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor and life. Humility is a choice. And we must choose to surrender and submit and rely on Almighty God. And depend on Him and recognize we are in need. We are not sufficient in ourselves, but we need God in the worst way. Holiness. What is holiness? When I think about that, he talks about humble themselves and pray. And so when I think about uh, holiness, and that is setting apart, we need to flee, confess, admit, and quit the things that are called sin. You have to get away from sin. God loved you or loves you 
But God has no desire to leave you in the mess that sin brings upon us. Friends, we need to humble ourselves and pray and seek the face of God. We can't make God send revival. But God wants to send revival. And so we must humble ourselves and pray. And one thing that is so difficult for us is we understand that the things that, well, let me say it this way. Death comes before the resurrection. Repentance before regeneration. And all these things, we don't, the, the natural man doesn't desire. How many of us like the idea of dying to self? How many of us love repentance by nature? Not many of any of us do. But if we want the resurrection, and if we want regeneration, then we must die and we must repent. And that requires brokenness. And for thou shalt say, and like it, does in, like it says in Isaiah 57, verse 15, For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite one. Dear friends, without a broken and a contrite heart, there will be no revival. There will not be the presence of the Lord within us. It is a serious thing. And when we think about uh, a revival in our hearts, I am convinced that all of us want it. But are we willing to follow God's way and his will so that it can be? Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive sins. The other thing, the third thing that I see in this verse is hunger. Seeking my face. Dear friends, when I think about not only seeking God's hand, but seeking his face, we are seeking God. We are seeking to be like him. We are seeking to, we are hungry for the things of God. My question to you, friends, tonight is, do we love what God loves? Do we hate what God hates? Are we hungry for the things of God? Are we hungry for his church? Are we hungry for his will? Are we hungry for his spirit? Are we hungry for his truth? Are we hungry for his people? Are you hungry for the fire of God to fall from heaven and to ignite your soul and ignite your mind and ignite your heart that we can be that light in this world that we are called to be? Do we seek God with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind? 
That is a lifelong challenge for each one of us. And is every is our passion, our desire to seek his face. Is that our passion that we can reflect him? Do we desire to be like the Holy Spirit? It conveys itself. The Holy Spirit never sheds light upon himself, but rather he always sheds light on Christ Jesus our Lord. Is that how we want to live our lives? That we can be one that, not, that doesn't bring, sheds light on ourselves, but sheds light on Jesus Christ our Lord. Is that our passion? When we get up in the morning, what is our desire? What is our motivation? When we get up in the morning, is that what we want to do? We seek the face of God. We long to do His will this day. What is the first thing that comes out of your mind in the morning when you wake up? And I know it's not safe to ask some of you because you're not a morning person. But I want to beg you, when you open up your eyes in the morning, say, Good morning, Jesus. Good morning, Jesus. And yeah, you might need to wipe some things out of your eyes, and, but make that a priority. Your passion, your desire, your longing ought to be to fulfill the will of God in our lives. And it is important for us that we yearn for Him, that we long for Him. And if we don't, let us take time to prepare our hearts and minds to bring that into reality of our lives. The true worth of a man is to be measured by the objects he pursues. I'll say that again. The true worth of a man or a person is to be measured by the objects he pursues. What are you pursuing? What is your pursuit in life? Is it things? What is your, what is your objective in life? What is your pursuit? You get up in the morning and you're out the door and no time for God. Boy, that sure conveys a love for the Lord with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, doesn't it? If you exit the house or your place, wherever you dwell, without God, it is a vivid example that your pursuit is much other than God. If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face, and seek my face, A.W. Tozer said, 
If we yearned after God as much as a cow yearns for her calf, we would be the worshiping and the effective believers God wants us to be. That is a vivid example of a long yearning. And if any of you have ever had the experience of getting between a cow and a calf at the wrong time, you'll understand the longing and the yearning that that cow has for its calf. If you got trampled under the hoofs of a cow, you will understand. There is an appetite, there is a hunger, there is a yearning. If we long for God as a bride looks forward to the return of her husband, we would be a far greater for, for, for God than we are now. End of quote. I've spent some, some weeks away from my wife when she was still at home with the children and I was in other churches preaching for a week and I tell you on the Friday night I can tell you that's about all that I can do to stay at the church where I'm at and not wanting to go home there is a yearning to go home to be my, with my wife and I tell you my friends if my yearning isn't of equal and more pull for the Lord than it is for my wife then I'm not fitted to be called a Christian. My longing and yearning for God must be a priority in my life, and if it isn't, there's other things. The scripture says if we don't hate father, mother, etc., etc., a family such, and that means if we don't love less than God these things, so dear friends, it is important that our yearning, if, if, my, if, if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my ways, or my face, and then turn from their wicked ways, we want to hear from God, I'm sure we do, but are we willing to, to follow these prerequisites so that God can minister to us. Since the Holy Spirit is with the church until the very end of time, it is his work to apply to God's people all the blessings that Jesus Christ has won for his church. And I want to say, friends, Christ has made a covenant for us, and he's going to hold to his covenant. Are we open to be committed to our covenant to him is there any hope my friends is there any hope in our present situation if God does not step in where there is a, if, 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 there's, if, if, if we are in a state my friend where we are not in tune with God is there any hope if God does not step in and help out. Where there is any hope, if there is any, 
is where there's extraordinary power of God moving among us. That is where we receive the hope of God. When the Spirit of the Lord, when we cry to heaven and we seek his face, in humility, understanding that we are in need of a Savior. We are in need of God's grace. We are in need of His will to be done in our lives. Then I believe with all my heart, there will be revival. God's, God calls His people to prepare the way of the Lord. And there's many ways that we are called to condition our hearts in preparation you know, the word yourself throughout the scripture is used many times. It says, take heed to yourself. Judge in yourself. Submit yourself. Cleanse your hands, or, or cleanse yourselves. Humble yourselves. Keep yourselves. Dear friends, we have a call. We do have a call to prepare ourselves, to humble ourselves. To pray, to seek his face, to turn from our wicked ways. And then, dear friends, fire will come from heaven. It will cleanse, refine, sanctify, justify, redeem. Yes, it will. It's important for us to understand, friends. We must prepare our hearts in order for the fire of the Lord to come down and do its work in our hearts. Are we preparing? Are we seeking with all our heart, soul, strength, and mind? For now have I chosen and sanctified this house, that my name be there forever, and mine eyes and my heart shall be there perpetually. Yes, is that the result of our calling to God in our lives that he will be in our midst and he will be present i trust it is may we be seekers of god with all our heart soul strength and mind and he will allow the fires from heaven to come down and do his work in our lives let's pause for prayer eternal god we come to you at the close of this service in the name of jesus I pray, O oh Lord, that you would minister your grace to us. And I pray for each soul here tonight, each person here. I pray that our hearts would be turned towards you and yearning for you to work a work of grace in our lives. O oh God, may all the distractions of this world grow strangely dim and our longing for you be revived. And so minister to us as we are in need of, Lord. You know each heart here tonight. You know each mind. And you know each will. And so, Father, touch us with your grace. May this place be a place where your spirit has free course and illuminate in our hearts your will and way. We entrust all to you through Christ.